Hi everyone, uh, welcome to my lecture. Uh, is Gatsby actually great? So it's called The Great Gatsby, but let's take a look to see if Gatsby is actually great or if it's meant to be ironic. All right, first, let's talk about Nick because he's the one who is giving us the information. Uh, well, it's Fitzgerald, but through Nick. And he equivocates, right? That he's both, he criticizes Gatsby, but he also says, you're better than any of them, right? So it's a tricky question because it's not, it's not either or. He's not, he's not a great guy. He's not a bad guy. But ultimately, uh, what is, you know, can we see Gatsby as great and what is great about him, right? Nick says there's something gorgeous about him, sensitivity to the promises of life. And he, Gatsby is okay. It's what preyed on Gatsby. And then, you know, you're worth, you're a whole, you're worth the whole damn bunch put together, right? You put them all together, Jordan and Daisy and Tom and everyone, you're better than all of them, right? So there has to be something great about Gatsby uh, for Nick who disapproves of him uh, and has unaffected scorn. So let's take a look. Let's go, let's go a little deeper. All right, first let's define great. Um, in any good debate, you want to define your terms. Um, great can mean larger than life, like Lincoln was the great emancipator. Great can be a deed, right? That was, a, that was great what you did for your mom. Great could be moral and high and essential, like the great Martin Luther King. Um, great can also mean to overcome great odds. Wasn't it great that she brought up her D in English uh, to an A by come to office hours? So where does James Gatz, who was reborn, rechristened in a way as the great Gatsby, um, where does he stand on these different definitions of great? And of course, there's a lot more. Um, is he moral? Is he essential? Is he larger than life? And has he overcome great odds? to get to West Egg. All right, so let's do a little background information. The, the original title for this was Trimalchio of West Egg. Trimalchio was this uh, character from the first century, Rome, Roman work. And he's the servant, the slave who becomes rich. And this is a perfect um, illusion, right? A metaphor for Gatsby because he is poor, a clam digger who attains great wealth, but he's part of the nouveau riche, all right? It's the, the excesses. Um, if you take a look at any of his parties, especially chapter three, this is a crazy affair. It's just excessive, right? And Gatsby is like Trimalchio. He wants to impress his guests. Uh, he wants to you know, have these drunken, bacchanalian kind of feasts uh, that's a bit of um, for amusement and to appease his ego, right? So, of course, Fitzgerald is going to say people treated his house uh, like an amusement park, where Nick says, they conducted themselves according to the rules, uh, behavior associated with amusement parks. They came for the party with the simplicity of our, that was his own ticket of admissions, right? Fitzgerald's editor, the famous New York editor, Maxwell Perkins, who also edited uh, Hemingway, Thomas Wolfe, Marjorie Rawlins and others, did not like the title, right? This Trimalchio. Um, but Fitzgerald was never happy with the title of his greatest novel. 
right? Which is ironic itself, but I can't picture and I can't, what would be a better, what would be a better title for the great Gatsby? I have no idea. I sometimes just trust your editors. All right. So is Gatsby great? So I'm getting to my thesis. Again, this is not black or white and Americans love binary thinking. You know, you're either good or bad. Are you, you know, do you live in a red state or a blue state? Uh, do you wear a blue hat or a red hat? Do you believe in abortion? Yes or no? Uh, so much of life is gray, right? Uh, like our own lives. We have great parts of us. And of course, we have parts, behaviors that well may not be so savory. Jay Gatsby is, is this type of person, right? So is Gatsby great. And I say, under normal circumstances with standard morality, Gatsby is corrupt and yellow with false wealth. A man of the times, a false prophet of the American dream, like a modern day American gangster, right? So yes, he's not great under normal circumstances. However, in 1922, with immorality as the new God, Gatsby does stand out as great because of his Ben Franklin-like plan for self-approval, because he wants more than just a good time, booze, sex, and frolicking. He wants more than money can buy, an irony, because he feels like he needs the money to win back the golden girl he lost. He is the only character who is romantically ready for love and hope, and that is what makes him great, right? He goes the distance, right? So what's the background on Gatsby and the, the plot? Well, Fitzgerald's favorite author was John Keats, a British romantic poet who died um, at 25 from tuberculosis. Um, you visit his grave there in Rome, Roman steps. I was there when I was uh, a traveling lad. And this was interesting is that on Keats's grave, um, his, whose name, here lies one whose name was written in water, right? So water plays such a vital role in the novel. And that's another lecture. I mean, he's, he, there are some, there are many pages where water is on every single page, especially once we get past uh, chapter one. It is all over the place, all right? Um, major themes and terms in the poetry of Keats show up time and time again in The Great Gatsby. Writers inspire other writers in style and theme. It's one of the reasons I believe there's never been a successful film adaptation of the novel. The novel is too much like verse to be filmed, right? That's my opinion. Uh, I think I've read other opinions that are like that. How does one film poetry? You don't film poetry, right? So t there's many poems that we can relate back from Keats to Fitzgerald. Oh, to a Nightingale is a big one. Um, when Daisy says, oh, is that a Nightingale? And her maiden name is Daisy Fay, and Fay is a Daisy, and um, Fay is included in Oh to a Nightingale. Edminian, though, is one who searches for Cynthia, who is the this uh, moon goddess. And a shepherd who falls in love with a moon goddess, well, that's a path to destruction. There's no way this unattainable, right? Um, if you fall in love with the moon, it's gorgeous. There's full of light, right? And there's nothing but there's, that's another lecture, all the light imagery in Gatsby. But it's essentially a journey towards love. And like all epic journeys, a path to possessing one's goal is filled with torment, long distances and struggles. And that comes from Wikipedia. I hate citing that, but I did this on the fly this morning. Um, 
and think of the moon and count how many times the moon is mentioned. It has to be 40 times or more. Um, and another lecture on Keats and Fitzgerald is indeed needed. All right. So again, this is the background. This is Fitzgerald's knowledge that he reinvents this Edminian, you know, a thing of beauty is a joy forever. And perhaps we can think of Gatsby's greatness as his love uh, is a joy forever. No matter how misplaced, no matter how not worth Daisy she is, and is, she, is Daisy really worth all this? All right, all right. Uh, let's take a look at Fitzgerald's background. All right, uh, Romana Clef means a novel with a key. So it's when fiction meets autobiography. Both Fitzgerald and Gatsby are born in the Midwest, Minnesota. Fitzgerald always felt like a poor boy amongst the rich, whether at prep school, whether at Princeton. He fails out of Princeton. He doesn't get a chance to fight in the war. He does give his hero, Gatsby, war honors. Uh, and they both fell in love with the Golden Girl at a dance. I mean, it's almost identical. Gatsby was in his uniform, meets Daisy at a dance. Fitzgerald meets Zelda at a dance in his uniform. She's the Southern Belle, um, the, guy, the girl every guy desires, and he sets his cap for her. They're engaged, but he's poor. And he needs to make a lot of money. He leaves New York, goes back to Minnesota, writes The Side of Paradise in his bedroom, um, and becomes instantly famous overnight uh, with his Side of Paradise writing about his undergraduate days in Princeton. It was really racy stuff. He was writing things for a public that didn't, you know, cars were now coming out and boys and girls driving to the Jersey Shore making out. This was all racy kind of stuff. And it was like, and people were eating it up. So Zelda realized, uh, hey, this guy, this guy's rich now. He can take care of me. Now, we can blame Zelda, but she's used to wealth. She's used to a certain standard of living. And so let's not be too, you know, critical of Zelda, uh, reading about Zelda herself, and there's lots of biographies about her, um, are well worth reading, right? And of course, they get married. They become king and the queen of the Jazz Age. Um, like Gatsby, they throw crazy parties in Great Neck, Long Island. Um, and Gatsby and the Shepherd Boy and Fitzgerald, they all fall deeply in love with the unattainable. And they must work so hard to keep place in the orbit of the golden girl, right? Can such a position be considered great or can it be seen ironic, all right? So is Gatsby great? I don't see the title as ironic. I don't think Nick does. I don't, I don't think Fitzgerald sees it as great, all right? So if the creator doesn't seem great, because I think at least in 1925 when the novel was published. I don't think they'd see the hero of the story in ironic terms. It's only after decades have passed that we see the folly in the pursuit of a moon goddess or a golden girl that seems, you know, he's this obsessive. He's so obsessive. Like every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. That's pretty much the definition of a stalker. It doesn't make him a perfect person. There's no perfect person. 
but what he does, and I, I actually do feel like it is the love that he has for her, um, whether misguided or not, he had a taste of that life and she represents that life. And we can see that also with Myrtle, right? She gets a taste of living like the rich and she doesn't want to give it up. And he, she has to die, but that's another lecture. It's also interesting that Fitzgerald, a heavy drinker who died washed up in Hollywood due to complications of alcohol and died of a heart attack. Uh, and Gatsby was out of print at the time, but his great man, Gatsby was not a drinker at all. We never see Gatsby drink. He is always clear headed. Um, drug dealers, it's not good if you snort your own supply, right? That's bad. You know, you just have to watch Scarface for that. Meanwhile, um, Zelda, you know, she was in, an, in a, she was in Switzerland for a while in an asylum. She gets moved to North Carolina with schizophrenia, and sadly, she dies seven years after Scott in a in a fire in Asheville, North uh, North Carolina. So, their story, it's you know, they burned a hot flame in the beginning, man, but it was it was short, unfortunately. All right, so is Gatsby great? When we read that Al Capone was one of the most popular figures in American life in the 1920s, along with Babe Ruth and Charles Lindbergh, it's not surprising, right, that a great man would supply the public with what the public wanted, booze. We rarely see the gangster side of Gatsby. Uh, he gets calls from Chicago, Philly, and Detroit. They're like places where a lot of booze comes from because it's proximity to Canada. Um, and his casual lunch with Wolfsheim, but that's not really about business, right? So we tend to favor Gatsby because we don't see him like calling for a mob hit. We don't see him shooting anybody. So we see the more glamorous, sensitive, romantic side that's represented in blue for him. And then his corruption, his outward sense, of course, is yellow. And of course, that's another lecture. All right, so I'm not going to read all of this to you because that's ridiculous. So is Gatsby great? All right, Nick writes at the end and is ready to go back home. Gatsby had come a long way to his blue, uh, blue lawn, and his dream must have seemed so close, right, at the end, um, that he believed in the green light. This is, again, what makes Gatsby great. He believed in something larger than himself. Of all the characters, Gatsby has a dream. What dream does Daisy have? She's like, what do, what do people do? What do people plan? Tom, he doesn't care. He drinks and, and, and pursues his next sexual conquest. Jordan, she, she's a golf player who cheats, you know. So, you know, Gatsby has this dream, right? Um, and he believes something higher than him. Um, and that there's something gorgeous about this, this heightened sensitivity, as I said before. And he's following this grail like a knight. And, and Nick says that he's like, that's what, it, that's what it, Daisy's been reduced to, a grail, the king's daughter in the high tower. Um, and the problem is, it's like thinking about your wedding or prom. You, you dream, you dream, you dream, you plan, you plan, you plan. And then once you actually attain the grail, as Gatsby does in chapter five, it doesn't live up to what he thought it would be, which is, you know, that, that happens all the time. Um, and think about the great thing about America, like going off to college, 
is that we can recreate ourselves. Lady Gaga, Bob Dylan, Notorious B.I.G., David Bowie, Elton John, Freddie Mercury. We wear the costume, the pink jacket, and we can be born again into our own platonic conception of ourselves. You know, we don't, we, you know, we were a clam digger, but now we're the great Gatsby, right? And that with hope that Gatsby has in the end, even using the pool, we see um, him cleansed of his sins, right? We see him ticking back on his air mattress like a backward clock because uh, he was always looking to the past. And again, that's something that's bad, right? Because if you're always looking in the past, you're not looking what's in front of you. Uh, but his hope, his dream, his ambition to be loved is indeed great, right? The one-eyed, uh, the allied man um, who I see as both Fitzgerald as the writer and Fitzgerald as the boozer, who's found in a library, right? Um, he's the one that says, poor son of a bitch. He doesn't see Gatsby as great. He misses the point, but I think Nick does, all right? He doesn't know Gatsby's true story. Now, we have to wonder just what will we do to achieve the green light? What, what will you do? What green light do you have? There's that Lord song, Green Light, which may or may not be relatable. But what obstacles are in your way? He had class. He had the bay, physical boundaries. He had a lot of um, boundaries and obstacles in his way to achieve his dream. Uh, what can make us be seen as great? Right. Um, and is that something that you want to be seen as? I, I don't know. And it seems that no one escapes the judgment of God from the eyes of T.J. Eckelberg and Nick Carraway except Gatsby. Everyone else seems to have the judgment from T.J. Eckelberg, but Gatsby never recognizes the eyes of God looking down at him. Everyone else does. And I could be wrong, but I never I never feel like Tom does. George does. Nick does. I don't think Jordan really does, but she she's myopic anyway. Um, and all the deaths happen under the eyes of T.J. Eckelberg. Um, so hopefully you've enjoyed this uh, lecture. Um, maybe I've convinced you that Gatsby is great. Um, not perfect. Definitely flawed. But man, he goes the distance, right? I would love for you to subscribe to my channel. I have lots of different episodes, lots of different series. It's not just uh, all on composition and rhetoric. And take care. Hopefully you enjoy this video. Um, any questions, let me know. Thank you for watching.